All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Paradigm. We're hoping you're having a great week. You're better than you were yesterday. So in this week's episode, what we're going to talk about is part two from the book Endurance, authored by Alfred Lansing. We highly recommend you pick it up. It's a really good story um, about guys in Antarctica doing this huge expedition and what they have to endure to be successful. Mm -hmm. But before we get into it, I want to mention... Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell next to it. Smash that like button. Like the video. Leave a comment down below and follow us on all our social media platforms. It'll be down in the description below. Red is a little used to the man who has betrayed his soul. Maybe you're the protagonist in your story, but like there's a So before we jump into our favorite parts and our key takeaways from this chapter, or this part, I should say, John's going to give us a little bit of a summary. Run through. Run. Okay. <clears throat> so part two. And this, uh, the whole part, there was a whole chapter with a lot of pictures in it. So for you listeners, something to look at if you guys get the book. The pictures were, for me, amazing to see. Mm -hmm. They really capture yeah. what was going on. And to see the men and to see the, the ship above the ice was just wild to me. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, part two. The men set up tents on the large flow and fall into an exhausted sleep. The plan is to march and haul the boats to a pilot island over 300 miles northwest in order to find stores left behind by a stranded expedition in 1902. The crew is encouraged by the, by the idea, and they are camped on a thick ice floe rather than on a sinking ship. They make repeated trips back to the ship to retrieve stores before it sinks. All crew members remain positive and ready. Shackleton orders that they bring only those personal items mandatory for survival. They are each allowed two pounds of personal gear. Shackleton makes a big dramatic gesture in throwing his gold treasure he had found on the ground and ripping pages away from a Bible and throwing the rest of the book along the ground too. The men then follow suit, leaving a pile of odds and ends of personal items on the ground. First, they try crossing the train of the flow, with Shackleton being the, the lead, finding the best route with men and dogs alike, pulling the boats and supplies behind. It's hard work. The gear drags in the softened ice. They make around one to two miles a day, if lucky. They then reevaluate the situation. The wind happens to be moving their flow of ice a couple miles north northwest each day, the direction they need to be going anyway. Shackleton then decides to spare the energy and let the winds carry them. This gives them time to better prepare the ships for an open water voyage and save resources for the time being. The men then start doing trips back to the Endurance, taking more supplies from the abandoned ship and creating what they call Ocean Camp. The men adjust well to the frigid conditions of the ice flow after one week. Macklin notes in his diary that it's been a lovely day and it is hard to think we are in a frightfully precarious situation. The sole element to which they are unable to reconcile themselves is that of food, which they discuss almost constantly as they're surviving on cooked blubber. Much like before, the men spend much of their time seal hunting. When a seal is sighted and killed, a crew waves a small flag signaling for the other members to assist in bringing the carcasses back to camp. With the men adapting so quickly to the new and primitive life of the ice, Shackleton seeks to prevent a false sense of physical security on the part of the crew to, uh, by developing an emergency stations bill, which assigns each man to a particular task should the crew have to break up camp quickly in order to maintain a sense of discipline. Shackleton creates a paramilitary atmosphere in the camp. Each day, camp begins at 6.30 a.m. and breakfast is served at 7.45 a.m. The many would include steel steaks, seal, seal steaks and the occasional canned fish or porridge and hot tea. After a little over a month on the ice, a.k.a. Ocean Camp, all duties have been accomplished. The boats are ready for sea, ready as they can be. The men have packed and organized all the gear to be as optimal as possible. 
And now they have built up enough food from hunting. Now all that is left to do is wait and let the winds carry them. After about a week of waiting, the morale of the men start to sway. Shackleton, always being on the beat of morale, faces a tough decision and decides to start moving again in search, in search of the end of the flow and to possibly start their journey on water. The decision is made to keep morale up by having a clear goal in mind. The crew writes in their diary that they are about split 50-50 on the decision. Some men want to wait where it's comfortable and let the wind push them. Others are itching for a new clear goal. They then start moving forward, bringing only the necessities to stay light and leaving a lot of equipment and supplies back at Ocean Camp. In Shackleton's research, he concluded crews that move faster and lighter survive rather than crews who move slower with more resources. Crossing the terrain again proved harder than before. With the ice being so soft, men were constantly soaked from snow and water. After a few miles and a couple days, they come to a point where they deem it's truly impassable. The flow is becoming thin and riddled with cracks. Even setting up camp is not an option. Shackleton orders a retreat back to more suitable terrain, thus marking the first time Shackleton seems defeated. The end part two with the last day of 1915. Men writing in their diary that 1916 brings them a better year. Wow. And that's that's it. That was a good, a super simple to get to the point really fast. Because this book is really detailed. Like I like mm-hmm. I like all these. So detailed. Like, um, so I feel like that was an excellent summary. Especially yeah, on this thanks. Part. It isn't these summaries that we're doing don't do the uh, the book justice for how much detail is in there. All the all the viewers pick up this book. The details like immaculate. Yeah, it's really well written. Mm-hmm. I would agree, definitely. So, are there any parts? that John either did talk about or did not talk about that were really inflection points in the story to you guys? Um, I think just an emphasis, emphasis before the, towards the end of the chapter before uh, 1916 starts to New Year's and Christmas start to come around is where like the, that's when the uh, morale changes towards the goal in mind and how they view the mission. Um, but before that, when they are on shore for about months or weeks on end, um, they're all, I think we discussed, like they're all not happy, but they're like, men are simple. We need warm, we need to be warm and we need food and we can thrive and we can go as far as we need to and keep pushing to get further to our destination. Um, They also talk about how the the rapidity of changing your mind and recognizing our situation is different, we can adapt. It's changing again, we can adapt. Um, They mentioned that a few times in the the beginning of the part. and I think that's a that's a key note in the, this whole, at least this part. Obviously, when we further read, um, we'll see what we pick up um, mm-hmm. on more and, and see if they mention that even more. But I think that was a it, it, to me it was like a it's like a keynote. It was like an emphasis on men, women, human beings have the capability that they don't know that they have until they mm-hmm. until they tap into it. Yeah, yeah that's um, for sure. So that, I think that was a big uh, summary of how their mental was, how their mental state was. So I have a question about that. You say, you know, men are simple. We want to be warm. What was the other one you said? Uh, Food. We need food. Mm -hmm. What do you think the biggest thing was about that, that allowed men to just be okay or if not happy about their current situation? Well, they talked about it in part one, uh, the sense of community and sense of like not going crazy, Not, not, not being so riled up and like oh now our whole plan changed and we don't even know if we're going to make it it's okay we have our leader we have the captain everybody's still safe everybody's still alive no one's hurt we don't have to carry anybody we can still get there mm-hmm. right that's mm-hmm. a big part they they didn't really mention part two and part one they mentioned that quite a bit right like um they figured out playing cards creating plays doing other things outside of just 
getting to our destination. We need to stay sane. We need to remain right. level-headed. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that's a big part as well. It's not just about, oh, I need food and warm. Oh, we could do anything in the world. Yeah. Because I, you could, I guess, do that. But at the same time, you still need like relation. You still need something right. to kind of work and grind with. And it makes things mm -hmm. a little bit better. Yeah. So. How about you guys? What do you think it is? Is there anything else that you would say participates in that? My, mm. For me, the, my biggest takeaway is one, there hasn't been a time where they're tight on food. Mm. Um, so having warm meals every day, I think, which is good psychologically, especially because they're in a cold environment. But two, as a leader, Shackleton has been good about having a clear goal. He goes, our goal is this. Now our goal is this. Our objective overall is this. And that's why when he starts losing morale, he's very quick to, to give the men a new goal because he realized, like, I, I think that's, you know, part of his thing is, I, I mean, I just passed it too, but they say Shackleton is very um, uh, sure of himself strength-wise and his ability, but the one thing that eats away at him is losing control of the situation. Oh, yeah. It, like, eats at him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very quick to be like, no, 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 we need to stay on task. And the second thing, or the, I guess the third thing would be they have outlets. They have, like, recreational activities they find a new deck of cards and they all start playing a new game um so i think all that stuff is good yeah definitely i think i was going to say that too after uh if if it, nobody had mentioned it, i think having clear goals and a sense of purpose gave men some sort of out right if you you know the devil's playground is an idle mind we've all heard it if you are out in negative 30 degree temperatures and you don't have something to do, I'm sure your mind immediately wanders to, this is some bullshit, right? Yeah, like, yeah, how totally. do I get out of here? I, <laughs> I, I, right? So I think having that sense of community, like Devin said, changes I to a we, right? So you're not part of a group where you feel like you have strong relationship with these people. This is who I'm getting through this with, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then in order for us as a unit to survive and be successful in our goal, we need to have clear purpose for each of us. When he said, this is, we're setting up a military type thing. You get up at six, everybody has a duty yeah. to do. You're therefore now have a way to participate and feel like you make an impact on the group's success. Yeah. Right. So a combination of all these efforts, plus having a warm meal and, and, Having that sense of community again, where they get in the tents, you'd hear some people doing bedtime stories. Yeah. You hear some people doing uh, singing. You hear some people doing card games and then, or finding a brand new playing cards <laughs> deck and then everybody coming together to play cards. So it was like a combination of all these really small, but very impactful <laughs> things that allowed this group to remain, you know, a group instead of being fractured, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. There, I think um, they talked about like little points here and there about like there were some divides. You know what yeah. I mean? We're human. We do have some divides, even when they break up the savers to non-savers, especially yeah. when they're eating food. Um, you had people that would, um, what's his name? The the uh, the guy that the old guy, the yeah. orderlies. Or I think it's Orleans. Yeah. yeah. The, what yeah. do they call him though? The seaman lawyer. Yeah. The sea lawyer. Um, carpenter. And, yeah. The carpenter and. Yeah how he would save her food and he would store it for weeks on end in case, cause that was his biggest fear of yeah. running out of food Going and dying hungry. out there yeah. of, of starvation. Yeah. And some men recognize I need to eat as much as possible. <laughs> and it started to make this divide where you can not as drastic as saving foods on week on end, but they started identifying people as saviors and non-savers where people yeah. were like being very meticulous with their food and how much they ate. And I'm going to save some of And every, some men were, I need to eat as much as possible because I, I this may be our last meal. True. True. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that sense of 
familiarity that's talked about on page 107 too that uh like shackleton was a great leader he was uh you know addressed as the boss but <clears throat> he always maintained a sense of like just common commonality with everybody um that he was leading he didn't want them to look at look at him as like some sort of superior person you know um he definitely had a, a level of respect like all around um but they they treated him as such and he kind of played into the the jokes and 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 whatever uh stuff that they were doing collectively is like a, a little tiny community of men out there just freezing <clears throat> you know what i mean and I, I think that because that aspect of familiarity with him um definitely it it made the overall morale like pretty good uh and then everybody had a sense of responsibility like that that routine i think the the, the routine aspect of waking up at that time breakfast is this time everybody's working here um, this is, you know, the the time where everybody has like a little bit of free time. I think that gave them subconsciously or maybe even consciously something that uh, kept them going simply because they had the routine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy you said that just because I think just a, a schedule, routine, habits, whatever you want to call them, is just healthy in any circumstance. They're in right. the worst circumstance and that's helping them have like a healthier life. You know, I'll just reread just while you guys were talking, you know. On top of the their wake up schedule, they had like dogs are fed at five o'clock, mm -hmm. men are fed at five thirty, lights out at eight o'clock, and then we start the whole thing back up over again. Mm -hmm. You know, they know exactly what their good their job is tomorrow. I, I don't know about you guys, um, when I go into work and I don't know what I want to do tomorrow, you get a little bit of you can call it Sunday scaries. Yeah, yeah. If you have a clear if you have a clear plan, you know exactly what you're gonna do and how you're gonna tackle it. You're like. Almost like a baby. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to conquer the day. That shit's yeah. mine. You know, already yeah. Yeah. tomorrow. Dude, I just I just uh, read this um, quote. I think I posted it on IG today. <laughs> it was a Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson quote. Um, if you fulfill your obligations uh, every day, you don't need to worry about the future. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's that's crazy. Because I think that idle mind is, is uh, kind of plays into that, too. Like you were saying, when you have nothing going on. It makes you go crazy. You get those Sunday scaries, you know, mm -hmm. but as long as you know exactly what you're doing throughout the day, um, it should be solid. Yeah. Gives you yeah. clarity. Definitely. And on uh, 107, I have a question related to uh, what David brought up. Um, you know, Shackleton really wanted to come off as another, you know, I'm the leader, but I'm not any more special than you. I don't get any more special treatment than you. Um, and it says here, he wanted to appear familiar with the men. Uh, he even worked at it, insisting on having the, exactly the same treatment, food, and clothing. He went out of his way to demonstrate his willingness to do menial chores, such as taking his turn as Peggy to get the mealtime pot of hoosh from the galley to his tent. And he occasionally became furious when he discovered that the cook had given him preferential treatment because he was the boss. But it was inescapable. He was the boss. There was always a barrier and aloofness which kept him apart. It was not a calculated thing. He was simply emotionally incapable of forgetting, even for an instant, his position and the responsibility it entailed. Mm. The others might rest or find escape by a divisive living for the moment. But for Shackleton, there was little rest and no escape. The responsibility was his, and a man could not be in his presence without feeling this. And so, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask, are there any, any examples from your guys' life of something similar where you're in the leadership role or where you have a leader that does this or does not do this? And what? how does that affect the crew? Um, well, I can think back to like network marketing, um, especially trying to teach people how to trade. Um, being that uh, when people 
especially when you're paying for education and you're trying to get people to like see your vision and see like um, your lead and where, where this could possibly go. It does put that since they give him the nickname of um, obviously boss, like people call him, hey, all right, boss. But there's they gave him also a uh, cautious Jack and old cautious because he's so he feels 100% solely responsible for anybody's failure if any man gets left behind and no other man out there probably feels like that mm -hmm. because he signed up for this he wanted other men to sign up for this and he took the application in mm -hmm. right he wants to make sure every man's getting back to their family so how I would identify it with my network marketing or the, 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 the leadership that I put myself in was more of like if you do pay this monthly like one year you're taking a risk upon yourself and you're taking a risk upon me mm -hmm. right if it two, if 200 250 250 dollars is a lot of money I want to make sure you see it see some sort of success even if it's if it doesn't work out for you at least you got to learn something and it, I don't leave a bad taste in your mouth I want to see you at least progress in a, a positive way mm -hmm. and if it if it doesn't turn out to that then you become cautious. You become this very like people can feel that energy when you're around yeah. that mm -hmm. leader person. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. um, because you feel like you're doing yourself and the other people around you a disservice when you can't hold up your leadership skills. Yeah, I, I agree. Damn. Mic drop for real. Bars. How's a good one? All right. Um, How about you guys? Can you rephrase the question again? Rephrase it. Are there or examples it, yeah. in your life where, say, the boss or you as a leader? Will, show you that you aren't any different other than being the leader of a crew. Mm, yeah. Uh, for me, just in my, my occupation, my career right now, I have an art director. His name is Trevor. And I pass like every design that I make or something that I'm going to turn in, it has to be ran through the director to, so he can give his, you know, direction or his insight and kind of give it the, the check mark before it goes to the people that ask for it within my company. And, you know, I see him as a leader and I see him as uh, someone who, because he's leading a bunch of apprentices right now, uh, younger or just students, I guess, or apprentices that are learning design right now. And he definitely shows this like sense of um, that we're, he, he's the art director, but he doesn't even make it seem like I, I have to like report to him in that sense. It, yeah. It's like he's, he's just like a designer as well and he trusts me and what I do and and I like when I'm making something I ask him like uh what like what do you think about if I do this and then he's like I don't know he's like what do you think do you think it looks good and then I, I put it the questions on me and I explained to him my process and he's like yeah like looks good to me you know like yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not so like I'm presenting something that's gonna be get like critiqued the fuck out of you know yeah. he, he really trusts me and I think uh I kind of see some similarities too. like Shackleton has this uh, interdependence or like this trust that every, every one of the men are going to do their job. And then like that one, the carpenter, the sea lawyer guy wasn't doing it. So then he had to do something about it. Yeah. You know? No. Uh, so uh, yeah. Shout out to Trevor. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, I'll talk about mine. Um, I have an example on the flip side of like, I think we've all had a, a boss that wasn't great. And we've all experienced that, I, I would believe. But I remember being a part of a crew where it was like the boss rarely showed up. Oh. Right. And so you, we did our job, but the crew's morale underneath the leadership of somebody who's like doesn't seem fully competent in what they do or yeah. lead, doesn't lead by example. You've never seen this person do a single thing that you've done. Um, like 
I don't know, changing the oil on a car or whatever it might be. Yeah. Cause at the time I was working at a Jiffy Lube, um, you get a different sense of morale than if you were a whole unit. You know, I right. became tight with the people I worked with, but other than that, the other crews shifts, I never really became tight because there was never like a sense of, hey, we are a unit, you know, and I don't think that typically has to come from the, the boss, but I think it, it, it's even better if it does, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's a sense of community, where you establish that sense of community. So, you know, then things just kind of started going downhill from there. Boss started getting angry at this or whatever. And it just, the morale of the crew is a lot different than, I don't know, you guys say you have good leadership in your guys' current, in your current job. Mm -hmm where it feels like you are part of a community. You want to work better for somebody who establishes a good community. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I think that's a huge, especially the workplace, like having a show. And I think that's why a lot of people like just a simple example would be a lot of people don't enjoy their jobs is because they don't like the environment. Right. They don't like showing up and being around people that are like maybe pessimistic about life. Maybe they have a lot of bad things going on around life. and they put that, they walk into the workplace with it mm -hmm. instead of just leaving it at the door and trying to, build upon what you have right here and not think about the external stuff yeah so it is a little hard it's it's life um but there's definitely bad characteristics in leadership and great characteristics and everything yeah. in between yeah i think there's a there's an image out there like um a, it's just an image right where it talks about the boss it's like a you're pulling a rope type of thing like you're pulling the boats in endurance right yeah the boss is like hey pull harder pull harder pull harder and the leader gets on the ropes and helps his crew Right. So uh, I'll have John take over and share his example. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll look back on, a, on the positive side of it. Coming up in the trades, you know, sometimes uh, you just do work that maybe feels like below you or below your boss, but you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And it, it definitely is a morale booster when your boss just jumps in and like gets muddy or gets there. And he's like, let me shut and fucking <laughs> not even show you guys how it's done. And just be like, ah, like, let me get dirty with the boys, you know? Yeah. And, uh, cause actually I've had a boss who's like, well, let me show you it's fucking done. He was a dick. I didn't like working for him, but I had a boss where he was like, I better get dirty with the boys. And when you jump in, get dirty, like leave. And you're like, that's a cool guy, man. Um, yeah. I love working for him. You know? Yeah. Hell it's yeah. Um, a different type of energy. Cause I, like yeah. you said, like it can come off as like very, uh, like what's the term for that? Like, um, where someone's just showing you how to do something to prove you wrong, like to prove like, wow, yeah. you're dumb. I, like, I, mm, I had a foreman who, who like always had it out against me and he'd always be like, let me fucking show you how it's done, dude. See? And I'm like, <laughs> bro, I was just doing that shit. Yeah. You doing it too. Doesn't change what, my like view of it. What is that called? Like the power, power trip or the, um, uh, there's it's just someone who's, um, in the authoritative like position and they're just they're just operating Based solely on, on on that yeah. it's like yeah. um you know there's solely on uh, position yeah hey yeah. just just real quick uh touch on what you were talking about david with your boss and we can cut this if you want but we can keep it was i, I love how he was like well what do you think i deal with my students all the time because they're always like mr croson i want to do this how should i do it or am i doing this right because we're doing an art project right now and I, they tell me and i look at them and i'm like well, what do you think so far? And they're like, well, I think I should do it. I was like, all right, send it. Like, what, what why are you asking me for? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. You, you got it. Yeah, uh, that's true. He, he definitely makes, uh, makes us feel like we're a team. And even with the apprentices, like he reaches out to every single one of them and helps them, cracks jokes, like brings donuts, like just, it, it's so sick. It's a, 
acknowledgement, baby. Yeah. Nice yeah, bike. Yeah. And you everybody know? feels That's, good, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Great stories. There's another uh, part in this book on page 91 <clears throat> where it talks about how Shackleton observes, and John kind of mentioned it earlier, he really keeps his pulse on the morale of the group. And there was this one person that's part of the crew. His name was Hurley. And um, he's. it's not that he wasn't like a genuinely happy guy. It's just that he was more likely and more prone. They say he was kind of off and on, right? Some days he'd be like, oh, I miss my girl. And some days he'd be like, oh, this is perfect. This is what I want to do. Yeah. I think they even referenced that out of the whole crew, they wondered why he was even on the ship. Like right. he was homesick from day one. They're like, why'd you come? Right, right. And so uh, it says, you know, this incident and having this person on the crew revealed one of Shackleton's basic traits. And I, you know, these are leadership traits we're talking about from this book. It's really what we want to extract from this book, right? It says, uh, though, though Shackleton was virtually um, fearless in a physical sense, he suffered from an almost pathological dread of losing control of the situation. In part, this attitude grew out of a consuming sense of responsibility. He felt he had gotten them into this situation and it was his responsibility to get them out. As a consequence, he was intensely watchful for potential troublemakers who might nibble away at the unity of the group. Mm. Shackleton felt that if dissension arose, the party as a whole might not put forth the added ounce of energy, which could mean at a time of crisis, the difference between survival and defeat. Thus, he was prepared to go to almost any length to keep the party close knit and under his control. Mm. So, um, yeah. You know, this is one of the leadership qualities that is mentioned in this book of of Shackleton. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a negative thing that he was willing to, you know, if somebody that maybe felt they were a, more of a competent person, seeing that this guy's bringing him in, uh, Shackleton's bringing just the photographer in to be like, hey, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Just because he knows he kind of needs to fancy him like that. Because um, if not, he might feel like he's not needed or not wanted on the crew. What do you guys think of that type of leadership quality? Um, I personally think that's how you lead a crew. You know, each person's a little bit different and you need to play into that. Like you can't make a square circle, but you can make a circle a better circle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oftentimes with me teaching, I learned like, Hey, these kids are rock stars separate, but when they're together, they're douchebags. Mm. You guys are now in different groups and you guys are going to be rock stars. And I let them know, like, this is why. And I, I'll sometimes give them a chance to go back, but it always fails. But you're rock stars alone. Or you like, got to play into people's strengths, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that to me is no problem. Like some, some people, they like a pat on the back and, the, a, hey, that was a good job. Other people's like critique so they can improve. So I think on that aspect, that was a good leadership. Yeah, I think I think overall, um, the sense of not picking everybody apart as like, okay, you need to be over here. I think it's it's the awareness of him becoming like, okay, I'm I'm responsible. That means I get to decide where you go. Because uh, I think it's this chapter he 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 breaks apart the tent situation where yeah. like yeah. you're number one, number two, number three, and he puts people in how he describes uh, Hurley as. Um, he might break the group apart based on his own emotion, based on like he might start bad mouthing Shackleton or mm -hmm. he start, oh man, I don't know if we're going to make it. Like and mm -hmm. putting that into other people's heads. So he gets, he puts him maybe, I think he put him in a same tent by, same yeah, it's yeah. like, I think that's awareness. That's he's that's a very strong sense of leadership. Yeah, I don't hey, what a good that. move to put the worst character in your tent. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's a leader, right? Yeah. Don't worry, boys. I'll fall in the sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no one else. He, and no one else seeing that. And it, he chose to do. Isn't that. there someone who's a, a little bit um, 
maybe it was in the previous chapter, someone who's like also trying to be authoritative or something. And he kind of... The guy that's messy and takes up more of his space. Yeah. 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 And, and I thought it was super cool that Shackleton saw that and was aware of that. And he kind of gave him the leverage. He's like, okay, like you, you do your thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at, at, he's like one step ahead or like two steps ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it... I know you guys don't watch Demon Slayer, but I, I, was, I was thinking of uh, Demon Slayer. What do you Slayer. mean you guys don't watch Demon Slayer? <laughs> I'm I pointed at them. Don't fucking put me down. I didn't point at the Mac, John. Uh, uh, did you watch the new episode, by the way? What's not? Okay, well. Okay, <laughs> okay well, there's, 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 there's. I've been camping. I've been camping. I've been camping. Damn. So you don't um, watch Demon Slayer. It makes me think of, uh, All right, there's cut, this part, cut. there's this part where um, one of the guys, like, there's this guy who wears a boar head and he's super, like, over the top, like crazy uh like super strong and Tanjiro's a leader and the, the boarhead guy's always trying to flex like he's the leader and he's like I'm the strongest like battle me like challenge me and he's like and then when Tanjiro um tells him you know go do this task he's like I'm gonna do this task because I'm the leader and Tanjiro's like you're right you're the leader like go ahead but actually it's just like the it role reverse he, yeah. he's like just letting him do what he's got to do yeah. so they all like work together yeah and it's pretty dope playing yeah. into that person's needs yeah 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 i think yeah. i think that's a sense of experience and emotional intelligence like i think mm -hmm. you've have to be you've had to have experience as a leader in a leadership role at some point or over and over and over again mm -hmm. to develop that consensus of hey you're right you are the leader because i think when you first become a leader if in this situation, you're going to try and control everything. To right. the, like, you're going to be like, you're not the leader. I'm the leader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think emotionally you start to develop this intelligence behind like, I'm not going to destroy my team. Like if he wants to feel like he's the leader, he can feel like it. But we know, we, we all know that I control the ship. You know that I move the ship. But if you want to play that role and put that character, then yeah. that's okay. And that's because that's what's going to get you to get through this. Yeah. And I think right. uh, in uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, he even talks about that inside monkey troops, right? How one would try to act up and um, the real leader will let him hack, act up, yeah. right? In that monkey troop. But the leader never really lasted that long if he was the guy like, nah, I'm the leader and starts fighting back. Because you don't, how many fights can you really do? Totally. Uh, you know, so. Um, and then every yeah. other monkey seeing that, like, right. you're just going to fight everybody. Right. <laughs> fight every other monkey if anybody you disobeys know, you. Well, one thing just to touch on how my boss at work keeps my morale good. I was just thinking about it because we're talking. Um, I love food, dude. I love being fed. I love eating. Yeah. I love a good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my boss constantly feeds me. So I, I wouldn't have to go to lunch with a, cause I had like a client come in or whatever, but they, the teachers ordered pizza and I was leaving at the end of the day and over the announcement, she goes, Croson, there's two boxes of pizza up here. Make sure to <laughs> yeah. grab them before you leave. And then I, I come in the main office and they're like, why does Croson get the pizza? She's like, because he's our growing boy. We love him. <laughs> but she, she knows. Like, I'm rap, bro. I'm team innovation center. Yeah. I'm like, you feed me. I'm in this bitch. I love it. <laughs> yeah. She knows that's like what makes me happy, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure she takes different angles for other people. But for me, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I'm all it's in. helping you thrive. Yeah. Hell yeah. This kind of reminds me of like a really good basketball coach. A lot of things come back to basketball for me. If you're ba a really good basketball coach, you see the weaknesses and strengths in each of your players, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like playing chess, right? You're like, this is, piece is good for this. This piece is good for this. And you organize an attack or you organize some sort of game plan that plays into people's strengths while one person's strength complements another person's weakness. And another person's mm -hmm. weakness can be covered by another person's strength. 
And so it, it really reminds me of being a really good – because no, you could have the best players in the world. If you don't have a good coach on that team yeah. that knows totally. how to they're organize those, those strengths and weaknesses, it's yeah. not going to work. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. not going to mesh yeah, together. That's true. So well, we've seen that multiple times in the NBA too, like with teams uh, – with teams getting all these superstars and yep. they're not even making it to the finals. Right. Yeah. You know, my Lakers have been, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, that really reminds me of that. So, um, you know, there's a couple of different things I'll have to touch on. I'll do one. Um, but one just honorable mention is on page 79 through 80. Uh, we finally get a glimpse of Shackleton's leadership and John touched on this. When things got serious, it was time to evacuate the ship, right? It, it's going down boys is the quote from the, from the book. Everybody had to get all this stuff off the boat onto the ice and they were, had to be ready to move, right? Their whole goal was to get across the Antarctic continent. By foot. By foot, yeah. right? Um, and mind you, this is before any of like the heated, <laughs> seated snowmobiles. This is before all of that. So it really was life and death. They, didn't, they had what they had and they just needed to make it over there. And so he required his men to be ruthless and getting rid of all their stuff that was, was unnecessary. Right. Yeah. And be very frugal about every single ounce that they were going to carry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he publicly sacrificed his gold cigarette case, several gold sovereigns and his Bible and threw them at his feet in like the most dramatic fashion you could. Right. Like it's time to be real guys. Like, like John said, he made a gesture that showed his men that they were all in the same situation and nobody was exempt from nature's demands. Mm. And he threw it all down, right? He led by example. And I think that's another really good leadership quality is to lead by example. Kind of coming back to, you know, wanting to be seen as somebody who's just part of the crew. I don't want any special type of treatment. He wants to lead by example. And it kind of comes back and touches on that same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of moving on from that. In chapter five, Shackleton begins to feel the anxiety from his crew. Um, This is the week after, this is that week following when um shackleton gets sick okay yeah Um, Yeah. and so he there's an anxiety kind of building in the crew hey the you know we're on this ice flow it's only moving so many uh, miles per day what are we going to do right there's this natural anxiety of now the men lost purpose they've finished building all the boats they finished collecting all this amount of food they've got everything set up and ready to go and there's Mm. this kind of anxieties brewing beneath the surface while shackleton's sick in his tent and um so he was put into a position of needing to make a decision um, his decision was to head West, get off the ice flow now, um, or to continue to wait on the safe flow to gain more distance resulting in his decision to head West. So it kind of boils down to this ultimately wasn't the wisest decision as they made very little progress and became strained in the process due to the pressure from the crew. He made a premature decision. That's, that's my opinion. I'll ask you guys your thoughts on this. Do you think it was beneficial for them to pick up camp and head west early to avoid that anxiety from the crew? Or do you think he should have kind of made the decision to wait and, you know, they were safe. The, the flow is moving. They have all the food they need um, and they're making progress. Mm-hmm. The, the ice is going to get loose sooner or later. What do you guys think? Do you think he was good and right in his decision or do you think that would have been better in a different alternative? I think it was. Uh, I think it's. It, well, I, in theory, yeah, the, that decision kind of saved them. You know, all the things that led up to them, you know, making it, you know, that, that, that was one of the things. But I think the whole purpose thing, they had something to do. And it, it, imagine if that feeling or that anxiety grew to the point that where it could, could have got, caused some damage just mentally for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I think it gave them the sense of purpose. I think it was a good thing. Okay. 
Yeah, for for me, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, right. you can always look back and be like, bad decision, should have stayed at camp. And maybe like hindsight, it was, but uh, it's hard. You know, you talk about how he has all that weight on his shoulders of being the leader, and he's you know anxious that if it crumbles, they're gonna be fucked for real. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, sometimes when you are a leader and you are for the situation you make a premature decision because the weight of the, the people around you are weighing on you. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know if he made the right decision, but I think in the moment he made the right decision because he gave them a, a, a new clear purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think um, what was wailing on him, if it was premature, I think it was the fact that like the responsibility of like, if we do stay here and something does end up happening, say we get trapped, how are we going to get out? Cause we didn't plan an escape route. Right. We're so comfortable sitting here. Our plan, we need to, get at least a civilization or some sort of like and And so i think his uh i'll let you go right now but um like his i think his initial goal was to see how far it was obviously they're not gonna be able to see that far but Mm -hmm. to see where the end of it is like where they're going like we have to find out if we don't move we're never gonna find out we're just gonna sit here until something the flow magically moves one day uh go ahead john just to circle back just to be clear like at this point the wind was moving them north Mm -hmm. the island was northwest so his thought was okay two birds of one stone we're gonna keep moving north regardless but if we move west i'm now going the right direction Mm -hmm. and if we as long as we make progress i'm not losing anything because we're still moving north yeah but Mm -hmm. what he lost was comfort you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. like a lot of yeah and then i think what the crappy part about is once they got to but this is they he had to make a decision he didn't know what was going to lead to but it led to something at the end of uh, part two where they're and like there's, wet. No, there's no promise that the wind would keep going. And that's what yeah, he was scared about yeah, too. Yeah. And, and um, there was no real um, like once they got to a point where they couldn't keep, they couldn't keep moving forward. They were stopped dead in their tracks because they couldn't go back because the ice broke and melted on the path right. that they came from. Yeah. So now they were really in a, st- a, a sticky predicament. So yeah. it's like, I don't premature. It might've been, but I think to be in a position of responsibility and like everything is, it feels as if everything is on you, but men understood, the men understood, like we're here to bring together as a unit. We're not going to just leave, uh, leave anybody behind. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a good segue into um, the next question I have here. Things were getting warm, right? From where they had moved to, they couldn't go back because things were starting to melt. Right. Mm -hmm. If things were cold as well, it'd be easy to move these easier, I should say, to move these boats across the ice. Yeah, but because cool. things were getting warm, the ice was melting. And so it's getting stuck. The boats that they're having to move, big crates, you got dogs, you got all this stuff that you have to move. Things are melting. The guys are slipping there. You know, it talks about it in the book where they every step they take, they'd plunge into the ice and into just pools of water. Right. Which leads to um, one man in the group. Again, it's the oldest man in the group. uh, Orderly's, I believe his name is um, being completely noncompliant. Right. He got to the point where it was like, look, you know, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. Whatever you say, I'm not obeying what you say. He even tried to lawyer his way out of it. They call him the sea lawyer. He tried to lawyer his way out of it. Be like, I signed a document that said I would be I would obey all the rules and follow all orders on the ship's deck. Right. I don't have to follow you off, off on shore and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he even got to the point where his overseer uh, had to go and see Shackleton to d- come talk to him. And, um, you know, Shackleton reminded him by showing him the contracts that they had signed 
that you obey orders on the deck, on sea, on shore, until the mission is complete, mm. right? And then after he did that, you know, he was he reluctantly continued on his doing his job. Mm -hmm. But that night, they're all kind of sitting there and he talks to the group and he, he has an old, a large group meeting where he says, don't forget that these are the papers you signed. Right. And so while it might have reminded people like, hey, you kind of don't forget where your place is and don't under don't forget our mission. It might have worked, but I wanted to ask you guys, would you have done this differently? Whether it starts with how you act with the individual person or as a group, would you have done anything differently? Um, if you Maybe if you were in that predicament and you were part of the group and you heard that, how would you have felt? Uh, I just kind of want to hear you guys' thoughts on the situation. Uh, how he handled the guy directly, I think, sure. You know, he kind of fought fire with fire and his ammo was better, you know? Yeah. Uh, how he addressed the crew, you know, uh, we read the book, How to Change Someone's Mind, The Catalyst, and it goes over once you kind of take away the choice from somebody else, they tend not to want to do right. the thing you want them to do. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, the crew has been like an amazing crew under the circumstances, like going far above what they need to. And they all do it without even like thinking about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at this point in time, Shackleton's like, don't you guys forget, you have to do it. If I was a crew member, I'd be like, yo, I don't know, dude. Fuck you. Shit's, shit's tough right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, it's tough. Like, so that's yeah. my thoughts. Yeah, okay. no, definitely. I would say I agree somewhat with John. Um, tackling the guy ind independently, um, however, um, I think I would have probably, like, I would think the fire on fire, but at the same time, like, other crew members had to have seen the conversation between them. And then no one was expecting him to pull the group together to be like, hey, look at this. You guys signed this. I didn't force you guys to sign this. I think that that gut feeling of like, well, well I'm here with, I'm not, we're not that guy. Right. You know what I mean? I think that insinuates that feeling. Mm -hmm. Like him feeling like the pressure is breaking. Like, yeah. you know, you've already lost one man. When's the next man going to stand up and be like, I'm not doing this anymore? Right. Um, yeah. I think he tackled, I would say he tackled, tackled it to the best of his ability due to emotions, physical, uh, 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 tiredness, um, just the mental strain of being cold, wet, like not being comfortable, that can get to anybody. So this is a very peculiar situation. Obviously, not everybody's put in a situation like this, but I think in general terms, there are ways to communicate things better. But when it's dire, life or death, I think that's kind of it's it's going to be a difficult way of yeah. trying to break things down. But I agree, man. Like I think there comes a time where, in, especially in situations like this, where fighting fire with fire, sometimes you got to do that shit. Um, I mean, Shackleton, he didn't like oust him like crazy. You know, he just sort of like put uh that that meeting together and let everybody know you guys signed this paper. Um, he didn't call out and just make a fool out of this this guy, guy right? you know what I mean? I think that in itself was a leadership quality. It's kind of reminding them and it tied them somewhat back together to get their, their mind probably focused. And even if that guy didn't want to do it, he would have died. Like he would have yeah, on his own. He, yeah, he he just, and, and, and that's why Shackleton just let him burn out and he got back to working because he's like, what am I going to do? Sit here? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I'm, when I think about it, and like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, there's the three avenues towards persuasion. You got ethos, logos, pathos, right? In the situation where you're dealing with somebody who's non-compliant, and you, all you really have is logos, like, look, you signed this paper. This is the logic that you have to keep going, or or you die, 
right? Those yeah. are your logic. That's Nobody the logic. Here it is, man. You're going to take it and you're going to continue to do your job. In that case with the individual, I think the logos works, mm -hmm. right? But where you're dealing with a, a group of emotional people, right? Or like, we just worked our ass off all day. I'm feeling like, man, we may not make it. I'm in like maybe more an emotional state. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to make that appeal towards pathos, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, look, you guys have given me 100% effort for the past year. We've made it through the polar night. I'm talking negative 40, negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit. You've done that. You've never, ever broken the unity of the group. You've always given me 100% effort. All I'm asking for is another two weeks of that or another day of that just another hour of that, how whatever increment you want to break that down into, give me that continually. And I promise you we'll make it out of here alive. If you appeal to somebody's pathos in that manner, you might've created the sense of like, we can do it. Yeah. Versus like, we have to do it. Yeah. yeah. He's like the glue in the situation. I, and, and I guess in that situation, it worked well because they've had a lot of time to bond and to, so the, the pathos would be effective in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if some, your group's sitting there like, they're jacked up dude they've been walking through water snow freezing cold temperatures for hours and hours to get one mile a half mile in yeah. some cases like pulling heavy tons of right stuff. like you gotta appeal and be like look you guys are some bad mother you know what i mean you guys are badasses dude if you can just give me this for another day another yeah. two days we'll make it out of here and things will be great you know just give them some sort of something to hold on to yeah i'm really i'm, I'm really interested about part three now because this whole chapter like how we talked earlier like in the beginning of the, the part, it's really happy. The men are like, I, you know, like I'm doing stuff that if I wasn't living my regular life, I wouldn't be able to do this. Um, our, our, our lives are simple. We need food. We need warmth. Um, we would like to be comfortable, but that's a that's a bonus if we can uh, establish our tents and stuff. But towards the end of the part, it starts to kind of just start to flip instantly mm -hmm. due to that one that situation. One yeah. And now the, the part just ends and it's leading to the next part. And I, yeah. I want to see how Shackleton carries himself forward and also how he kind of continues to relate himself to the men continu continues to show his his chari charismatic like energy and, mm -hmm. and how he's presenting himself so yeah i think that was an excellent way to chapter because this was a to me it was a very like happy like driven like mm -hmm. we're good we're, we're we got these yeah. guys it was finally one, a glimpse into that little bit of yeah. change right before we get into the next part yeah all right that's all my points is there anything you guys would like to add um, I think we covered a good amount. This was I like this part a lot. I yeah, like like a lot more than part one at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think other uh, just just the overall like uh, leadership quality that Shackleton's portraying, and in the time of you know desperate freezing cold temperatures with and stranded in nowhere, I think uh, from this book is just we're we're extracting those leadership qualities, and from what we we described, I think we're hitting a lot of them, and I think we're going to see some more. Yeah, definitely. So, How about you, John? One thing, one thing I want to end on is that, uh, like Devin said, uh, the men were just so positive. Like they were so happy with the with the life they were living, with the things they were given. And one, it got me amped up to want to go camping this weekend. Yeah, to, <laughs> yeah. to get away from like life and just to be in nature. But uh, it made me think. I was like, hey man, as long as I got food, I got a place to live, and um, I have a job. Dude, everything else is gravy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I like what I do. So like that's all we can be, just be happy. I think this was a, a really humbling time for for some of the men too. Cause that one guy that was fixing his boot and he was scraping the seal skin for like days. And then he was like, dang, like I think he wrote in his diary that this is stuff that 
he just had, you know, back in normal civilization. But I think it, it humbled him. He was like, dang, he, like he wrote, I mean? he wrote in his diary. He's like, I can't believe I used to pay someone to do this for me back home. Yeah, he goes, yeah. what, what a joy it was to do this. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Right. That's like you being like, you like changing your tire on the side of the road. And you're like, I can't believe I would pay someone to do this. This is amazing. I love yeah. changing my tire. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. But, Definitely. So uh, I'm going to take us out. But before I do, um, you know, some of the biggest takeaways that we're getting from this book, like we discussed earlier, is establish a sense of community. Find a way in your life to establish a sense of community. Um, you know, we here are a collective of men where we we get together weekly. We discuss what's going on in life. We have counsel. We do these meetings. Uh, we do podcasting like this where we can share what we're talking about. Um, but find a way and an avenue for you to do that because, you know, it's it's really beneficial. And we've said it podcast after podcast after podcast, but we you can't really understate that. Like, find a sense of community. Your life will be so much better if you do. Counsel. Yeah. Um, another one that we're getting out of this book is find a clear goal in your life find a sense of purpose and you know when people are like what do you want to do with your life what do you want to do it's a big grandiose question but it doesn't have to be that big you know give yourself a clear goal this year right 2022 is coming up uh by the time you see this it might already be 2022 but set set a goal you know something something simple i want to run 100 miles this year you know something yeah. something that you want to do find some way and some purpose that you can that you can achieve and feel good about something right, yeah, right. shackleton to your own life yeah shack, shackleize your life man shackleize <laughs> shackleize <it. laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna take us out thank you guys very much for watching this episode that was part two from endurance authored by alfred lansing this is what it looks like pick it up pick it up it's a really good story um right before you go to bed pick it up read it man you're gonna really enjoy the story we really do um, so before we you take off, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell next to it. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. Leave a comment down below. All our social media platforms will be down in the description below. And before we take off, don't ever forget that the work you put in now equals who you'll be tomorrow. Peace. See ya.